Welcome. My name is Eddie Arrieta. This is Fulfilling Work Life. We intend to talk to leaders, professionals, remoters, human beings from all around the world who share with us their knowledge. Join me in this daily journey. It was wonderful to touch base with Adam Armfield from Enable Medicine, soon to be Humanos 3D. They have helped many children in Colombia with prosthetic arms printed through 3D printing machines. That is a great social initiative and I hope you enjoyed this conversation and find the time to volunteer, to donate or to at least uh, give them a shout out or a follow on. We are officially live. Great day. This time with Adam Arnfield from Enable Medellin. Adam, thank you so much for, for joining us and accepting the invite. My pleasure. I hope the audio, you've got the audio now. I've had a little bit of problems this morning. It, it, is, it, is, it is fine. Uh, we can hear you uh, great. Uh, there is a bit of echo though. So... Um, I'm not sure. I've swapped over to my microphone. I, I had it on my on my computer and I swapped over to my headset. So I'm not sure where I, the echo I is think, coming from. I think it might, I don't know. I know what it is. Haha. <laughs> I got it. It is, it is YouTube. So I'm going to close this. And we can continue moving with our lives. Uh, but thank you so much for, for taking the time once again. And I want to give people the opportunity uh, to hear you out. Uh, who is Adam Armfield and how does Adam Armfield get to Medellin, Colombia? Sure. So uh, maybe I've been in Medellin now for about six years. And uh, prior to that, uh, I worked in the corporate environment for uh, a large healthcare company in London for probably close to seven years, um, exploring Europe, enjoying Europe, but working for a, uh, a, a global healthcare company, so a very corporate situation. Um, I decided to move back to Australia because um, I thought that perhaps I could find a little bit more fulfillment in life going being back closer to my family. Um, when I got to Australia, I was there for about two years, uh, and I realized I still had the, um, the travel itch, and I still wanted to explore the world. And Australia is quite isolated compared to Europe. Um, and so I, probably about 15 years ago, I traveled around Central and South America. However, Colombia was still uh, maybe a bit longer than 15 years ago. I'm pushing on now. <laughs> but it was uh, I traveled around Central and South America, and Colombia was still a little bit dangerous at that time. There was still... Uh, I think many of us know about the problems which Colombia had in the past. And so I wasn't able to see Colombia and I saw uh, pretty much you know, a lot of South America and Central America. So about six years ago, um, I, after working in the corporate world for a good 10 years and making steady progress, um, uh, I, I wasn't quite happy with uh, where I was on a personal level. Um, so I decided to uh, come traveling um, to Colombia. I had some friends um, who I met over in um, in Europe who uh, had been to Colombia who were Spanish and uh, showed me some wonderful photos of Parque Tirona and uh, other places within uh, Colombia, which inspired me. And it was all a bit, um, yeah, it was all a bit, there wasn't a lot of planning involved. I basically sold everything and decided I was going to go and spend six months living in a foreign country and learn a, a second language. So uh, I, I packed everything up. Um, sold the house and put the money in the bank account and I thought I'd try and uh, learn some Spanish and see what business opportunities presented for me um, and Colombia was a place which I'd always wanted to see and so that was the first place on my list and I landed here um, to begin the adventure. And when you landed then in Colombia um, in, and, and it's very interesting what you're mentioning you were you were talking about business opportunities and then from yeah. trying to find business opportunities to uh, working on 3d printing 
how how was how was that step? How how did how did how did that happen? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I did a little bit of research about Colombia. Obviously, over the years, I've been reading more and more about it. And with the implementation of the peace process, um, uh, you know, back of, you know, six, seven years ago, they were talking about how they were going to implement it and things were improving. Um, I thought it would be a good opportunity to um, to find, uh, you know, to be one of the first on board. Obviously, I wasn't one of the first. There was tourists coming before me. Uh, but I thought there'd be uh, markets and opportunities opening up. Um, so I, I came here with the idea, like uh, I get the romantic idea of a lot of people do, of opening up a a and a bed and breakfast up in the uh, the mountains of Antioquia, and uh, you know having a, a blessed and charmed life living up in by the rivers. Um, but when, when I got here, um, I found myself studying at the university, learning Spanish, um, and I found myself drawn to a new technology, three um, D printing. Uh, so after about two years here. Um, I decided uh, I wanted to learn more about this, and so I, I jumped on a flight to New York, where they have a um, an annual 3D printing conference every week, uh, every year, sorry, for for a week or so. And uh, why I say I basically got stuck into that for five days, learning everything I could about 3D printing, and I I bought my first 3D printer, and I, I put it on a plane and I came back to Colombia. What while I was actually there, um, I saw a project called Enable. It was just starting up, and it was. Um, uh, a couple of chapters in the US um, and they were making 3D printed prosthetic hands for children um, over there and I thought this would be a really nice way to um, to learn about 3D printing to teach myself how to use the printers um, but it'd be a nice way to to give something back um, to, to, to society um, so as I learned how to do it so the, the goal was uh, I came back I locked myself in my bedroom for for six months and set up a few different Facebook groups and uh, web pages. And after six months, um, I, I'd been in Colombia by that stage by about two or three years. And uh, I said, well, do I need to go home or am I going to stay? And so I decided I was going to set up a business here doing 3D printing, um, and buying, selling printers, selling consumables, etc. But like many businesses, um, especially when uh, uh, you're in a, sec a foreign country, things can be slow to start with. So we had a, uh, a lot of capacity on the on the 3d printers and so as i'd been learning to make these hands in my um, learning how to do 3d printing i had a couple of students from one of the uh, local science clubs and they approached me and said oh we've seen you've been making these hands a friend told us about it um, we know a kid who needs a new hand and so i invited them to come and work with me after hours on the weekends on the saturdays and sundays and we together we built our first uh, hand to actually deliver to a a real life um, uh, patient or a, uh, a young 14 year old child who was born with a birth defect. Um, and so the business um, kept going and then just over a couple of months we had one or two more students coming in and wanting to learn because we had you know, a little bit of press coverage on the first hand we made. And so we just started to grow from there as more as a, a social program within the business. Um, yeah, so that's, that's how it started uh, the, the program. Excellent. And I, I have a question specifically about about those patients and those people that, you know, have used the arms and because I have followed you guys for for a while now and, and I'm very, very interested in the craft. So first, I, I want to understand uh, the social aspect and then we can get into the craft um, in terms of the social aspect of it. Every case that you get, how 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 personal does it get? Because you, you, you know, you meet them, then you have to make measurements and all of this. At the end of these processes, do you become so like <laughs> close to them that that they almost become family? How how does that work? 
Yeah, I mean, it, initially it was only, we were doing sort of, you know, just these one, one or two hands there, but eventually we sort of left the business behind and we became a, full, uh, we registered as a not-for-profit, so we became a, um, a full-time organization. So rather than seeing one or two people every six months, we started to see more and more people. Um, and yeah, you, it does become very emotional. You get very attached to these people. Um, they, they arrive, they're often quite, um, I guess, a little bit scared, a little bit unsure. Um, especially with a, a, a crazy gringo of these new technology that they've probably never seen before. So there's always a little bit of nervousness. Um, we do have Colombian staff on board, which, uh, you know, sort of help to make it a lot more local. Um, and they, so they feel there's a lot of apprehension at first because they've never seen the technology. They've never been given the opportunity for it to, to receive a prosthetic, many of these people, um, due to various reasons within the Colombian health system. Um, and some of these people, uh, you know, they're, they could be farmers who probably very rarely have been to a city, if ever. Um, so there's a lot of nerves to start with on both sides. Uh, but we work through them. We, we manage your expectations and we let them know that perhaps we, we can um, help them. We want to help them, but maybe we can't. 95% of the time we can. Um, so usually by the end of it, we try to make a... Um, it's not just about donating a, uh, a prosthetic hand. We try to make it an experience for them. So, for example, um, we had one young girl who was about four or five years old, and she was a, a, a prince, a frozen princess fan. And so, when so we actually made the um, the prosthetic in all the colours with the snow and, and that of the uh, is it Elise? I can't remember the, the princess from uh, from uh, Frozen. Elsa, Elsa, I've got my girlfriend screaming in the background. <laughs> uh, so we made the uh, we made the uh, the the, pro, the hand in the color of the um, uh, of Elsa, and uh, we decorated it. We also made her a little tiara, which we three D printed as well, and put a little gem in it. Um, and when she arrived, we had the uh, well, as we were presenting, we had the music from Frozen playing. So it was very emotional. Uh, the very tears. Wow. The parents will always want to hug you because they, their kids are. Uh, have been giving a new opportunity. We've also had, um, you know, young boys who was like 16, 17, who wanted to be a, uh, a music producer. Uh, and just by chance, we had a reggaeton studio above our workshop. Um, and so they were, they were on board. They got him up there and got him into, met some artists and put him on the uh, on the equipment. So we try to make it, um, you know, the hands are, are basic. They can pick things up. They, they, they help a lot with the self-esteem. But a lot of these people... They leave with tears in their eyes because they say, you know, no one's ever wanted to help us. Um, you know, especially if they're a victim of conflict. You know, we've always been pushed aside and we haven't had the opportunity. Uh, and so it's natural when you're working in this environment, helping people, giving them a new opportunity, raising their self-esteem, and they're all together as a family unit. You do become close to them, and we do stay in contact with with many of them uh, afterwards. Yeah. That is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing for sharing that part of the experience. I, I want to take it a little bit to the side of uh, the volunteers. And the reason why I want to yeah. do this is because a lot of the people that do watch the show and that do listen to this, uh, sometimes they are looking for things to, to volunteer uh, to. Uh, they are looking for things to do. They are looking for uh, potential alternatives uh, to their life. So I want to ask a little bit about the volunteers. And, and you first mentioned yeah. oh, at first it was a couple then it grew to, to a lot of people. The first question on volunteers would be, what sort of talent does an organization like Enable need? And the yeah. question, the follow-up question to that would be, to that would be, I want to help. How do I potentially get involved? Sure. Okay. Um, well, firstly, coming from uh, a large corporate background, I'm quite aware of all the different departments which exist within uh, a larger or successful organization. 
uh, even though we're, we're, we're not large, we're, we're quite a small organization still, I try to take that mentality of like everybody has somebody something to offer. Um, whether you're, you can work on admin, whether you're a teacher that wants to help us develop courses, um, engineers are always great because uh, they develop new designs for us. Um, so we, we try to take uh, any, I think we've probably rejected one volunteer in the last, in the last three years. And that was more because of um, probably past behavioral issues rather than uh, whether they can attribute. I mean, anyone can come in and, um, can, and you know, if they have, everyone has a skill set, but even if they think they don't, they arrive and we'll give them some basic things such as, you know, sanding the hands, painting the hands, um, basic stuff like that until we can find something which, you know, drives them and motivates them. Um, so we've had volunteer programs we, um, within universities, within England and Australia, etc. So there'll be notice boards up uh, from past volunteers. We'll put a little notice up. I worked in Colombia. Um, so anyone can come in and apply. Um, we, on our webpage, there's a link um, where there's an application form. Uh, the, the the we're actually in the middle of a rebranding process at the moment. So even though we're enable Medigen at the moment, uh, we will be known as Humanos Tres there. Um, but if you go to our current web page, it'll redirect you. Um, and on that page, you'll find um, a, a link where people can fill in the volunteer application. And there's also testimonials from um, from past volunteers and people that we've helped there as well. So uh, the other way is you can just shoot us an email at enablemedigin at gmail um, and uh, let us know if you're interested. Fantastic. And perhaps uh, for, for, for you guys who are out there and, and want to help with this, perhaps we'll have Enable or Humanos 3D on our Torre platform so that we could put in the volunteering opportunities opportunities there so that you guys can apply. And we have some volunteers that probably help with that. Adam, I have a question and and this is now related to the craft. And uh, the reason also why I ask this, and this is always because of, of the audience, a lot of the people here uh, would sometimes ask, you know, I, I don't know anything about 3D printing <laughs> to put the specific case. Or sometimes they would say, I, I don't know anything about development or digital marketing or what, whatever that would be. And, and I think that was your case yeah. before you went to that uh, conference to uh, the United States. Maybe you have read some articles, but that does by, by no means makes you like a craftsman of uh, 3D printing. Yeah. How, how did you approach the, the task of becoming someone uh, who is aware and also good at 3D printing. Uh, how did you approach that? And where do you think you are today in that, in that regard? Um, I saw it as an opportunity. I mean, we're, we're talking sort of six years ago uh, when I first started looking into it. And the way I saw 3D printing sort of five or six years ago, was really at the early stages of uh, perhaps in the in the you know early 80s when when computers were just becoming popular personal computers and i took the attitude that well if i had started getting into programming and uh and computing in the early 80s i'd be an expert by now and because uh, 3d printing was still at the at the very early stages i thought well, here's a really good opportunity to get in on, on something which is is just about to uh, explode as far as being well known and uh you know, uh, used on a daily um, basis by many people around the world. I mean, it, technically, 3D printing has been around for, you know, probably over 20 years, but it's really the same way computing was around since the 50s and 60s. But it's basically, you know, from you know, five, six years ago, it's becoming a lot more mainstream. Um, so I wanted to get in uh, on that boom. And I think it's like like anything in life. It's You don't need to be an expert on something to, to get involved in it. You need to be passionate about something. You need to be motivated and you need to be 
committed to putting that little bit of extra in each day to get you there. And I, I think that's what I had. Living in Colombia, having a little bit of a redundancy payment payout behind me, I had time to commit myself. And opening up, a, once I open up, a, even when I opened up the business, I wasn't um, considered or I didn't consider myself an expert in the area. But when you've got your own money on the line, you've got your own time there, you quickly make yourself uh, available to learn as much as you can. Um, and so I think after, uh, you know, I was one of the first um, uh, 3D printing shops within Colombia or businesses. Uh, and I was definitely probably one of the first uh, uh, not-for-profits, which is based upon 3D printing. Uh, in Colombia, so um, just just having that sort of uh, I guess attitude of you know I'm going to make myself learn it and I'm going to be doing this because uh, I've got no one else here to, to back me up. This is how I do it, and I think that's how you you, know, you become uh, a leader in the field is by just being dedicated to to what you do over a, uh, a length of time. And uh, I think that's where we're arriving now. Fantastic, and uh, I because I, I was just thinking maybe I could volunteer over the weekends. Uh, is there is there <laughs> any is there any limit to like the amount of like work or or time that that people can invest into something like this to just get started to help you? Yeah, so uh, initially we now we we're probably well things have slowed down with the current crisis, but when things are normally running. We're probably getting sort of anywhere between 50 and 60 uh, volunteers a year uh, coming through. So it can become uh, a, a little bit hard to manage those because uh, you find a lot of time, rather than focusing on the projects and advancing the organization, you're, you're teaching people the basics. So we've had to set a minimum time for people to come in so they can learn the basics and then actually get things done and then pass on that knowledge to the next people. So what we ask is for, for people to be able to commit a minimum at least sort of three to four full days. So that can be... Um, whether they, they want to do four weeks and they want to come in and do a day a week. So we, we'll ask them to do four weeks. But we ask them to, to be able to commit at least sort of four days. Um, we have some volunteers who will commit to that four days. We have others who work with us six months full-time. We've had uh, you know others who have worked nine months, they'll finish their six months full-time, um, usually part of a, uh, a graduate program within the university where they need to do their um, uh, work experience overseas. And then I'll come back and do another six months with us. So um, we're open. We're, we're, we're really flexible. Uh, I mean, if you're an expert in the area, we had a robotics expert who wanted to come in and just uh, assess our work and give us improvements. And he worked with us for two days and just said, okay, well, I can see where you're at. Here's the improvements. Go away and do this. So um, we're, we're really flexible around uh, around we offer it. But uh, if you want to just pass through Medellin and pop in and see what we're doing uh, and do work for one or two hours, it's probably just going to more interfere with our process. But we'll give you a little tour, but we'd probably not get you involved in the in the actual work. Correct, and and that probably makes yeah. makes a lot of sense. I want to dig a little bit deeper in in the last few minutes that we have um, regarding your your vision uh, on on yeah. the 3D uh, printing industry. Um, where do you think it is it is going to go? Uh, do you think it is going to be possible to do um, much more remote work in the 3D printing industry um, than 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 it is today? Because I know that's one of the biggest challenges that we have with COVID. You just mentioned that things have slowed down, and I presume, of course, it's because people cannot go to the workshop. Um, do you think yeah. remote work is gonna uh, help, or, or do you think there's gonna be an evolution to the work that you do in 3D printing? And and then the follow-up question to that is, what does the future of 3D printing look like in for for you? Sure. So. About 90% of my time now is committed to Humanos uh, 3D or Enable Medellin, um, but I still have the business on the side, which I run online, which is about 10% of, of the time I do. Um, I noticed when the um, 
since the quarantine, the actual the, the business load has probably doubled. Uh, we're actually receiving a lot more work. Um, people are people are locked at home. They're bored. They're becoming creative. They've got ideas. They want to they want to make things. They're they're exploring new technologies. Um, and so we're receiving uh, you know more and more jobs where they say, oh, you know, I've got a new design for you know, a cover for my webcam, or I'm designing a, a, a new part for a project I'm working on at university, or for my work, etc. And the power of 3D printing is that these printers aren't huge, massive things like they used to be. Uh, you can put them on your desktop. Uh, you can work from home with them. And I've noticed in, even in the, 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 the few years since I've had my business set up, there's been lots of little, a lot of the, the price of printers have dropped dramatically. When I first bought mine, it was probably around five or six thousand US dollars. You can pick up a cheap one now for two or three hundred US dollars. Uh, and so what you're seeing is uh, there's a lot of the, a lot of the uni kids um, are setting up their own little businesses on the side where they're, they're doing small jobs and um, printing. So this is something that you can, uh, which you can do from home and you can scale it however you want. Um, depends on the amount of marketing, um, who you're working with. You can do a small, few small jobs after school or you can try and scale it. It is getting more competitive because the prices are lower. Um, but you know, it's like everything. There's a there's a quality and cost balance and uh, service which you can provide. Um, as far as the future of 3D printing goes, uh, it's huge. It's exciting. I mean, we're talking about printers now, which can cost uh, two hundred dollars. But there are there are printers which will cost up to a million dollars. You know what I mean? Which can print uh, full jet engines. Um, you know, so Boeing involves. So rather than having to to print uh, to to fabricate. Uh, you know, a hundred different parts and assemble them. Put them. On. They'll just print the entire engine, and, and it'll, it'll it'll work. Uh, NASA is now using 3D printers uh, and testing them in space. Um, the reason why is if you if you want to go to Mars, um, which is where you will see 3D printing going, um, you're not going to be taking two hammers and two wrenches and two two of everything in case you lose one. Uh, you'll take your essentials. And then you'll take a 3D printer of basic materials and designs, and as you need, you'll print what you need uh, with that. Um, we're seeing uh, we're seeing it used in, in medicine uh, recently. So what we've done is because we can't see um, uh, people at the moment to receive their prosthetics, uh, we switched track for a few weeks to actually 3D print um, uh, face shields for for medical staff. Uh, and so what we've done is. Uh, you know, we've taken a very uh, basic open source design with 3D print these, and we can print off thousands of these things every week uh, or, you know, in, in, with the network that we have because we, we formed the network with our other 3D printers. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the future is bright for 3D printing. It's huge. You're going to see it more and more uh, every day in, in lots of different uses, um, everything from... Uh, from space exploration to healthcare to military applications to, to food. There's even 3D printers now that uh, um, which people have considered using in nursing homes to you know, take all the mushy food that the old people perhaps can't chew and then printing it out into something soft like a carrot or a steak, which they can choose using the, the proteins and the, the carbohydrate-based uh, materials. Uh, yeah. That is, that, is, that is very exciting. I just want to take a few uh, seconds here to shout out to everyone who joined us uh, right after we got started. Thank you so much for joining. Remember, if you have any questions, please put them in the chat. We are just about to get started with those questions um, as, as time is coming to an end. Uh, but thank you so much once again, guys, for, for joining us, whether you are on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram Live, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, remember, leave us the comments. Um, Adam, um, I, and, and, and it's very exciting for me to be thinking about like 3D printing. There are other technologies that are that probably help 
uh, your industry. What what are some of those technologies? Are you looking to integrate any new sort of knowledge? Like what what new things are you hoping to integrate with three D printing for for your company? Yeah, um, well, from from a business perspective, I mean, we we we're a, a not for profit, so everything we do, we don't receive government funding. Well, recently we received a small grant from the Australian Embassy because I'm, I'm Australian. Um, uh, but we we use uh, a lot of digital marketing to try and uh, reach out to people to, to receive sponsorship to promote our work and the rest of it. Um, there's all types of technology which um, tie in with digital fabrication as well. So you have laser cutting, CNC milling. Um, but for us, uh, we, we're, we're primarily focused on, on 3D printing. And uh, our communication strategies, we, we rely a lot on the um, on the social network. So, if you don't mind, Eddie, in the chat, I'm going to leave a link for our uh, our, our PayPal account. Of course, if anybody wants please. to put a little bit of, uh, to, to to back us up and uh, have a look at what we do, that'd be greatly appreciated. No, absolutely, and I think that was that was going to be like my, my my one of my indulgence questions. Every day I have a question of indulgence, uh, and, and oh, okay. I wanted and I wanted to I wanted you to indulge me in in that, which is uh, some of us would not have the time that it's. Yeah, just how life works. Some of us would not have maybe the skills or, or, or don't have the need even to start learning about 3D printing. Maybe we have another passion. But getting involved yeah. with something like this that has a social impact, a real social impact, is not um, like impossible. Uh, I think there are right now, uh, in Colombia specifically, there is Baki where you can you know, do, do um, you know, fundraising for certain things. There are other sites like that. For those that, that want to help help uh, with Humanos 3D, whether it is, of course, we already talked about volunteers and how they can do that. If someone has resources, financial resources, how can they, well, put the financial resources and then how, do, how can they follow up in, in how, how these resources are used? Sure. So we have full transparency in what we do. Each year we um, publish all over our accounts and where the money goes. It's, it's on our website under the, uh, the legal section, um, including salaries, etc. Um, where we, we run a very lean uh, unit. I went from a, a, a six-figure job to a uh, about a thousand dollars a month. So uh, we, we we basically run a very uh, a, a lean unit. We have two two employees, and the rest of us is done on um, uh, the rest of it's done on volunteer basis. So if they want to donate at the moment, we sometimes have crowdfunding campaigns during the year, but at the moment we're just doing everything through PayPal. It's at uh, enablemedigine at gmail .com. Um, but I'll leave the uh, I'll leave the links down there uh, with that. But yeah, you can be assured if you watch the uh, the social networks, the uh, LinkedIn. Not sorry, not so much LinkedIn, but uh, uh, Instagram at Humanos Tres there or Facebook at Enable Medellin. Um, you'll be able to see we post uh, regularly on all the all the work we're doing, so you'll be able to see that your money's going directly to a good cause. Awesome, awesome. And I I, I have uh, this question that just popped up into my head because when you were talking about kind of like the future of 3D printing and some of the things that can be printed right now, you talked about an engine and I had no idea that that was possible now. And I've seen, yeah. of course, construction and like, oh, you can build a whole house from scratch and all of these things. What do you think is going to be the much complex like 3D printing um, that, that will need to happen in the next few years or that could happen in the next few years? Yeah, well, I mean, the houses are a great, uh, great example that you've mentioned in disaster zones, in disaster zones and cyclones, hurricanes, etc. You know, they can now construct you know ten, twenty houses in a day using a three D print. These sort of large industrial type of cement three D printers. Um, 
I think yeah. The, at the moment, I think uh, the the jet engines are some of the some of the most advanced stuff using you know advanced metal alloys, um, uh, and, and also the applications which they're using in the spaceships, which I've mentioned before, taking the three D printers to space to three D print new parts and uh, as as required. So, are they able to do organs? They, no, no, organs? Yet, right? no, no, tissue, yeah, right? Like tissue. But they they are doing. Um, they are printing, and they're they're printing corneas uh, for eyes. Uh, I know recently in um, there's been an Israeli research group that's printed uh, a heart. Um, there are things called um, bioprinters. Um, so it's uh, in the universities now. They're printing skin as well, which will potentially be used for skin grafts in the future uh, for for burn victims and, and other types of operations. Uh, but yeah, that's the path they're on. Uh, I mean, I see within sort of 10 to 20 years, there will be uh, organ transplants with 3D printed organs. Um, it's 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 a, a crazy field. I mean, Colombia is uh, is involved uh, heavily in this bioprinting as well, uh, where they're actually printing different organ skins. I've seen uh, ears and noses printed so uh, as well, which they'll eventually be able to graft on um, to, to people. So, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing where we're going with this technology. Awesome. Fantastic. Uh, now, um, my question is out of curiosity. What, what channels do you follow to, to get your uh, 3D printing fix? Like, what do you read? Like, which Instagram yeah. channels do you follow? Because I'm going to start following some of these. Uh, and yeah, uh, yeah. do you guys have a newsletter? Uh, you've already mentioned, like, where, how can we find you on Instagram? But it'd be great to just repeat that as well. Yeah. So um, our, our accounts on Instagram is at Umanos 3 d uh, so H-U-M-A-N-O-S, uh, 3D. Um, and on Facebook, it's at Enable Medicine. Um, either one of those will work with the, um, with the website as well. Just put a .com on the end. Um, as far as I, uh, I'm reading, there's a, there's a really good site called All3DP, A-L-L, uh, um, 3DP, 3D printing. Um, there's another one, 3D printing technology. Um, there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, I probably couldn't. Uh, they, they just sit on my Instagram, so I can't remember the exact names. But if you uh, if you have a look at, um, uh, I don't use it that much anymore. But my business account here is called uh, Universo 3D, Universo 3D. Just have a look what I'm following there, and uh, you'll be able to see a whole bunch of stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much, Adam. And I want to check if anyone has any questions regarding uh, the industry, regarding Adam's uh, profile, regarding what you could do with volunteering. I think I've been able to cover as much as I could uh, getting to uh, the, the time of the end of, of the show. Um, of course, like, like I said, initially, I think it's very inspiring uh, what the team it's been doing uh, from Medellin. I think the 3D printing industry is part of that future that, that we want to see. And, and, and I find in Adam someone who is finding this to be very fulfilling for himself and for those around. How many people have gone through um, the program so far? How many students, I mean volunteers? Uh, so volunteers wise, we've, we've probably, because we also work, we have volunteers that come up from the local university. It's not all national. Uh, we probably have, so we have um, interns, uh, we have just volunteers. I would say over the last three years, we've probably had close to between 150 to 200 people who have worked with us um, on that. Um, our goal this year is to uh, make around 60 prosthetics. So it's about one, a bit more than one a week to hand out. Uh, last year we did about 40, the year before we did that. So we're trying to double our impact each year um, with that. Um, so yeah, we, we, we're, we're, we're growing, we're having a bigger and bigger impact. Uh, globally, the Enable movement's probably helped thousands of people, uh, but at our 
and put it into the arena, a little bit of sand here, a little bit of help that we're doing here, uh, is uh, we're, we're, we're aiming to, to help you know, 60 people for, for, to us is a, is a lot of people. That's a, you know, a family and a life and a community we're changing every week. So, uh, yeah, that's all right. All right, excellent. So Robert Galan says, quite a wonderful new version of giving a hand. Bravo. <laughs> so that is, that is awesome. Yes, that is, that is quite a new version. Thank you. That, that was actually our uh, little slogan we put in for grant application there for a while. Give us a hand and we promise to give many more. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yes. Henry, thank you so much. You're saying good morning. Hope all is well. Uh, Loreto, Omolara, and, and everyone, Mefrael, Angie, uh, Ana Milena, Murcia, uh, Juan Pablo, everyone who has joined us today. Walter, uh, once again, the Walters, to Walters, Vanessa. Josibel, Tatiana, thank you so much, everyone, uh, for taking the time to listen uh, to Adam's story. Thank you so much for taking the time to consider uh, that perhaps uh, Enable Medellin, Humanos 3D, now uh, could be a good place to volunteer and also to donate. Um, so if um, you want to do that, Please remember Humanos 3D on Instagram. You can also do that directly on PayPal as enable uh, at gmail.com, right? Enable Medellin at gmail.com. At gmail.com. So thank you so much, everyone. My apologies. Uh, Lupita just, uh, uh, my, my alarm system just went off. Uh, but thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you, Adam. And I hope uh, you know, in the future we can come back and see uh, where you guys are at with, with everything. Excellent. Thank you so much, Eddie, for the opportunity. I hope everyone is well and enjoyed today. Okay. Uh, have a fulfilling day, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and remember to share, like, and comment if this content brought value to your life. You can find us on social media as We Are Torre. Explore more content at blog.torre.co. See you around.